Hello and welcome to the 96th episode of Popcorn Optional, a weekly movies podcast where we talk all things movies. And tonight we are here to review John Wick 3, the best action franchise going right now. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk. My name is Cameron Salina. As always, I'm joined by Jake Brown and Trevor Allison. Um, thank you to Jake from last week for doing a solo episode on Holmes and Watson. One of the most enjoyable episodes of this podcast we've ever done, probably. All right, so let's go ahead and jump right into John Wick 3. And let's talk a little bit about our experience with the first two films and kind of how we all came to it, because I have a feeling it's kind of a different experience for each of us. Yeah, so so for me, I had kind of just heard about them. Maybe not a lot, but what I did hear about them, people were very passionate about it, and we're talking about how incredible they are. And and I saw I saw the first two a few weeks ago in preparation for this, and man, I was blown away. This totally met the hype. The action sequences are insane. The world building is something really interesting, and almost unlike anything we've ever seen before. I'll get to on, more on that later, but but just a really interesting, well done thing as far as the universe. The production design is great. The sets, the costumes, the visuals are fantastic. Um, they've gotten better each as one goes. Um, yeah, these are these are just really cool, really interesting movies. Um, basically, uh, I kind of see them as like the good version of Boondock Saints. <laughs> yes. Very accurate, <laughs> yeah. Veritas something else in Latin. Parabellum. No, I know that's not <laughs> it, but that's in this movie. I could have uh, been. Veritas, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, same as Trevor, like I'd, I'd known about them, I'd seen a lot from them in terms of like cinematography, production design, fight choreography, but I'd never sat down and watched them. Um, and I love these movies now. I'm a huge John Wick fan. What these films do for the budget that they have is incredible. The bang for buck and also the profit that they have uh, created with these films is just second to none. Um, Visually, it's some of the best cinematography and fight choreography I've ever seen. And yeah, they just keep getting better and I just keep wanting more of them. So John Wick 4, let's go. John Wick 4 does officially have a release date in 2021. So I mean, it has to be. So yeah, (laughs) I'm ready. May 21st, 2021. So exactly two years as of this recording. For all of you who want to know when we record... It's different every week. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> as you can tell by our release schedule, probably. Um, no, but John Wick was one of those things that was introduced to me by uh, some of my students back when I was a teacher. And I immediately discounted it and thought this was a, uh, I hate to say this, but Steven Seagal cheesy. How dare you? Uh, Direct-to-DVD-esque action franchise. Wow. And why would I take my time dare to do you. that? I know. I know. Uh, wait, I don't know. We don't need to get off on a Steven Seagal tangent, um, but whatever. Uh, and I was sorely mistaken within the first like 10 minutes of watching John Wick and uh, felt ashamed, felt discouraged about my intuition as far as movies go and really questioned a lot of things in my life, but ultimately uh, <laughs> watched all three John Wicks and I feel like a better person because of it. I feel <laughs> what an know, interesting takeaway. I feel. <laughs> I feel like I'm a I'm a I'm a better dad. I'm a better husband. Um, better friend. Um, I've never murdered somebody. It's, 
So they're they're really they're really interesting because they they kind of have this kind of split soul of kind of the the Clint Eastwood style man with no name western and the John Woo and or Tony Jaa kind of martial arts thing. And it yeah. comes together and it has the visuals of like a Christian Dior cologne commercial. <laughs> Trevor, did you write that on your letterbox review? I did, yeah. Oh, did you say this is a cologne yeah, commercial? Okay, what, I, thought yeah. say, I thought I read that. That's what the, fir- the first one especially reminded me. Like the blacks and the blues and the reds. It felt very much yeah. like those like Johnny Depp, Christian Dior, and like the Matthew McConaughey Lincoln commercials, like that that kind of thing. <laughs> At any point he could turn to camera and just be like, Christian Dior. <laughs> and you'd be like, Oh, I'm buying cologne. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, I, I do that. I've been driving a Lincoln since it was cool to drive a Lincoln. <laughs> Have no, you the newest terrible. Matthew McConaughey Lincoln commercial is the most Matthew McConaughey Lincoln commercial of all commercials, the one where he's like in the woods yes. and he like comes out and then he like goes back into the woods and just sits on a bench. Uh, the, the best, yep. the best one is when he's driving and has to stop because there's a cow in the road and he just talks about <laughs> the cow. Texas. Yes. <laughs> oh, Matthew McConaughey, you are a state treasure. One of a kind. Uh, he's yeah. a Texas mensch. <laughs> He's a Texas, Texas mensch. <laughs> we have an individual category just of Texas menches. They're few and far between, but they're out there. I'm kidding. He had the he had the reconnaissance for a while, but it, it's it's dwindled. What do you? Oh uh, yeah, that well, okay. We're getting off topic now. Um, okay. All right. So John Wick three, all big fans. I'm guessing continues the excellence of the franchise. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. This. So sorry. I just <laughs> used that word. It's. The the incredible nature of the continuity in these is really impressive. Um, just how smoothly everything transitions um, is is really good. I, I think that it's it's almost like um, like if you watch the first movie, it feels like it was meant to be the first in this series of like twenty films. This like serial kind of thing, and and I don't even know that it was intended that way, but but these just really flow. They flow really well. This one was awesome. I mean, more of the same action. We got some different action. We got more swords this time. We got horses, which good lord, let's talk about. That was my, the best part of the film. <laughs> he uses multiple different horses yeah. to kill multiple different people, and leads a. There's a chase scene where John Wick is on a horse, and. That's not, I didn't know that I needed that, but it's the best thing I've seen in a movie this year. I think that <laughs> this might be the best like 20 minutes of a film ever. The first 20 minutes of this movie, <laughs> I was literally just sitting in my seat with like my jaw on the floor, just like, oh my God, yes, give me more. Like it was the the knife fight scene, the horse scene, <laughs> like just the motorcycle horse chase <laughs> scene. Yeah. The scene, oh even the scene where like God. the guys like, wound like sewing him up and everything and then it hits six and then he's yeah. like they're gonna know you and then he has to shoot that guy oh, oh. man it's that like... just the whole first 30 minutes i was just like this is the best movie i've ever seen in my life <laughs> the first 30 minutes of this had multiple like my i don't know if this happened in your guys theater multiple like verbal like gas oh yeah literal like <gasps> oh yeah this was we were like i mean we it were was like, like watching this movie together 
the like the like 35 people that were in my IMAX showing it was like we were in the same living room like people are like looking yes. at each other people are laughing at things that are not funny in any other universe except for this one yes um it's it's really an interesting experience and vibe with the laughter i think it's like it's a laughing out of shock out of just but, like yeah. how like you don't know what else what to else do. can you do <laughs> yeah like he just threw an axe from across the room. He already had six knives in his chest and the axe just went through his head. <laughs> what else am I supposed to do See, but laugh? The, like the, I, the perfect yeah. thing about that scene is, is that scene works because it's in the third movie. That scene doesn't work yes, in yes. the first movie because no. we don't, when you're watching the first movie, you think that John Wick takes place in our universe and it doesn't. Yes. It takes place in a different universe that's very similar to ours, but not quite the same thing. I'm waiting for the time when this crosses over with the Fast and the Furious universe. Mm. And that would be so they said that there's a John Wick atomic blonde crossover coming. Yes. David Leach has already I'm in on they, that. they're working on like once they have the story, they're going to make the movie. They just they're it's kind of in pre pre production, but David Leach, who co-directed the first one and Atomic, the first John Wick, has said that that's going to happen. So the only complaint I do have about this universe is by the end of it, I was like, there sure are a lot of hitmen. Like, <laughs> that's what I thought at the end of chapter How many assassinations two? need to happen in this world? Because there's a lot of hitmen just in New York City. A lot more than you think. I mean, there's. I mean, tons. here's here's my theory on like the scene at the end of the second one is that I mean, clearly this assassin syndicate empire network has people in high places, so they could have theoretically cleared out that section of the park and brought in their own people for effect. For sure, but yeah, just like. Are we like really? There's hundreds of elite hitmen, like hundreds of them. Well, I wouldn't say elite, but like I bet you that there's a lot of people in there. I mean, because obviously John Wick's just destroying guys left and right. I would say that there's there are like hitmen, whether or not they're elite is a whole nother conversation. And there are people that it's like John Wick wouldn't take a thousand dollar hit job, but maybe some of these guys are like, I'll take any hit job. But the Zeros and the John Wicks of the universe are the people that are like, those are the top-notch guys. Yeah, I did like the respect that John Wick had from people. They like yes. would be fighting him and then let him get up for a second. It is an honor to be yes. fighting you, Mr. <laughs> I'm a big fan. And I love that they're bringing in like big actions people. Like Yayan Ruhian, who is one of those guys that's one of Zeros' like, uh, people... He's from the Raid franchise. Like, he is uh, yeah. huge in the martial arts industry. And there's, like, the perfect amount of knowing what this film is and leaning into the humor of, like, John Wick, I'm a big fan. This is so cool. <laughs> like, that kind of stuff is, is it's perfectly used in the right moment. And then it's like, and back to 15 minutes of epic fight choreography. <laughs> yes. Well, it's like, it, it. what it does is it gives you this little bit of a nod that these are actual humans, not just robot assassin people. Like there's, there's like some yes. kind of emotion and 
and depth to them. Well, I think it also goes with that whole thing of like, there's so much um, respect within this community and like, they all follow the rules. They all like live by this code and they're all honorable men. And so I think it's like, they want to live by this honorable code and you know, they're not going to like, while he's down on the ground, be like, Oh, this is my time to take him out. It's like, no, I want to beat you. And that's, I feel like that just kind of goes with the universe as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, any film that has Bobin in it knows what it's knows its target demographic <laughs> and knows, Hey, we can put a seven foot seven NBA star in this movie and it'll work out. What a massive dude, human. that library scene. What a way to start a movie. Like nobody in the library is like, there are the people in noise? the background of that shot. Yeah. And there are people yes. in the- <laughs> It's so great. Oh man! I mean, I guess we gotta get to spoilers. We've already kind of talked some spoilers, yeah, but not. But let's not get really... into it. Yeah, n- no plot spoilers, yeah. just awesome action spoilers. I mean, I think the horse scene is my favorite scene, but I'm most impressed by how he used that book to kill a man that is seven foot tall and three hundred pounds. <laughs> and then just put it back on <laughs> the shelf, like he it was put nothing. it back on the shelf because it's not actually a book; it's his secret hiding place for his treasures. <laughs> If I'm like counting favorite scenes in this, the knife scenes up there, but my goodness, if that Halle Berry like breakout scene in Casablanca oh, isn't man. up, 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 up on the that list. was like, Ooh. that was like the best video game playing of all time. That's what I was. That's what I yes. felt like yes. I was watching. John Wick is the best video game movie. <laughs> yeah, that's what. It, yeah. This movie, I think, takes that video game-ness to another level, especially at the end where he's, like, progressing through the continent, yeah. like, yeah. Level, yes. level by level, and each each new yes. boss fight is a different type of fight itself. And, uh-huh. um, and that amazing agree, room of glass. Dude, we're going to get yes. on the production design and cinematography in a little bit. Just <laughs> just hold on. Um, but I agree with Cameron. The dog scene with Halle Berry, I think, is maybe the best scene of the year so far who knew that Halle Berry could still do her thing I haven't seen her in anything in a long time and she killed it yeah she she was was great this made me want like more of Halle Berry which was something that she wasn't I mean not to say that I was ever like you know she wasn't on my radar of people to be like oh Halle Berry should be in things yeah well I kept thinking every time I like the whole time she was on screen I kept thinking I can't believe she was in die another day and she's doing <laughs> yeah. this now. Like how many people are in like a major action franchise 15 years later and infinitely better than they were in the first time in a major action franchise. Like that's, that's kind of crazy. And looked the exact same. Yeah. She hasn't. Yeah. Neither of these two have aged a bit. Keanu yeah. Reeves yes. and Halle Berry, uh, whatever they're taking, I want it. But I, I think my favorite thing about these films is Keanu Reeves does like 70 to 80% of his own stunts in this film. And, and you can see that. And I would say this is a, this is a guess, but I feel like Halle Berry did a lot of her own stunt work as well. Because what I love about these movies is like, they're not afraid to allow the action to play out in the wide shot and then have the actor like cross frame and a close up, and then go back to doing action in the wide, almost like showing off like, yeah, this is Halle Berry. She just did that. Like I love when movies do that, and this happened. This that happened multiple times in this movie. Like long, long one takes, like action scenes where you get to see her doing the action. And um, same with Keanu Reeves. I'm I'm super impressed with the stunt work done by everybody involved in this film. 
a lot of people always say like the Matrix was the role that Keanu Reeves was born for, but I re- this is even more Keanu Reeves esque to me than the, any of the Matrix stuff. This is like him to the nth degree and just let him do his thing and shine, and he kills it every I, scene. Yeah, I agree to a point. I think without the Matrix, we don't have this movie. Like this leans so heavily on the Matrix. Do you I mean, so like aesthetically, action wise? In what ways does do you think this leans on that? I think the, some of the gunplay, the action scenes, I think the aesthetic kind of like underground nightlife, everyone's wearing leather, like um, even the bottom floor fight scene of fighting the armored guards like that almost looked like the bank lobby that they filmed the matrix in, you know, like that fight immediately made me think of that. And even and Keanu Reeves even says the line guns lots of guns like <laughs> that's that's a line from the matrix where they're asking what do you need and then uh, he programs the gun thing um yeah so granted like since they have the same actors they're of course leaning in that that matrix vein with those those joke lines and stuff in in that it does the the perfect kind of comic booky thing that i think a lot of action movies miss out on is being humorous and self-referential while still having real stakes that are believable. And I think that, and, and, and that's what sets this apart from other, other things. It, it really, I think it's, it uses its character performances and depth of character to, to give the stakes some, um, to have real stakes. And it, and so that way they can really lean into the ridiculousness of the rest of it. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing that I feel like this film references quite a bit is there is a, a 2002 uh, sci-fi film called Equilibrium with Christian Bale. And the gunfighting in that is very similar. It's that, like, I think they even titled it. It's like Gun Kata or something. I've heard and it called a, like, uh, martial arts. Gun Fu. Gun Fu. Originated yeah, by John yeah. Woo Films. I like that more. Yes. And this movie very much lies heavily on that. And I think... I think there's a lot of things that you could point to when you look at why this film stands out above all other action films. But are there like specific things? Because, I mean, I feel like if you were to explain this movie at a, you know, bird's eye view to somebody who had never seen it, this is a very by the books action film. Uh, Oh, yeah, it's Keanu Reeves and he's fighting and he's doing this. And it's like, yes, but what about it makes it take it to that next level? This this movie's almost like a satire of a satire in a way. <laughs> like it it like is making fun of the genre but then leans back into the genre while still having the humor of making fun of the genre if that makes sense. Like I would say The Raid is like the epitome of this type of action movie, but then John Wick takes The Raid and then like throws style and humor into it. Um and I think that's what sets it apart is the production design, the cinematography, and the wink wink at the audience. Um and I think what's great is like they probably were shooting the first film and within by like day five of production, they were like, This is silly. Let's be a little silly. Cause like at like the thirty <laughs> minute at the thirty minute mark is where it like kind of gets a little funny, you know? So um Well, I, I, mean, I think that that's what's set these before apart. you kill a dog. That's true. Dude, that dog scene in the first first film. 
that See, that's he, I, John Wick kills like a thousand people in these movies, and I didn't feel anything except for <laughs> when that guy killed the dog. The that's kind of oh, when I thought the dog died in this one, I was like, okay, mm, uh, yeah, oh no no no, yeah, yeah. That's what I was saying. You can't kill two dogs in the same franchise. Come on now. <laughs> no, this isn't Snow Dogs with Cuba Gooding Jr. <laughs> <laughs> That is that is exactly true. It is not Snow Dogs. <laughs> Unfortunately. What sets it apart is the world building in the universe. Like it's it's a it's a universe that feels real a little bit, but it also has kind of these realms of like fantasy and almost these Indiana Jones kind of things. Um of this kind of I don't know, underground society syndicate kind of thing it's with like this worldwide connections and it's it's, i don't know it's a really interesting thing and and like we said we get snippets of it but we get enough to keep you interested in the whole thing because you kind of wonder like how deep does this thing go like what is the level of this like what is the what is the bird's eye view of this universe because we only ever get to see it through the eyes of john wick so with with that world building or were there ever times that the world building in this movie got too big or expanded too much or was it did it always work for you guys uh yeah so i mean i commented earlier that like i think there's too many assassins like this world is like the the hit went out on john wick and like 55 people's cell phones in just times square rang like the the hitmen to regular population ratio is a little too high guys um also what's up with this like weird steampunk like hipster hot topic people are running the assassination contracts with chalk oh i, I think that. i think it's awesome um, i love it it's this i, I it's love so that. bizarre yeah. it's like it's 1955 in there yeah, it only works in this in this film. It's not a complaint. I just think it's a little interesting. <laughs> I think part of it's so so those things are untraceable. Yeah, that that makes sense. But for me, when it got to like this is too much, is like, wait a minute, are we in Aladdin right now? Like, <laughs> what is happening with this location and these costumes? Like, <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> See, at that point in the movie, we're so far beyond any form of reality that I'm like, okay. See, I'm, yeah. I'm the exact same way. I We've been shown the worldwide nature of this League of Assassins, for lack of a better term, um, in John Wick 2. So now I will believe just about anything. The way that people talk about <laughs> yeah. it and everything. Like, I'm, I'm completely in on this universe and it does stretch itself in believability, but it always follows its own rules. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where I feel like what they're adding is way better and I'm okay not having explanations. Like there's thir- certain things that don't need explanations. You don't need explanations on John Wick's original name or Belarusian name, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Belarus. Yeah, or like... You don't need to understand certain parts of the high table or anything. Part of it's just like, okay, okay, high table. Okay, there's an adjuster. Okay, yeah, let's just keep going. But the parts that I like are super interesting are is the Continental to me. Like That's one of the more mm-hmm. interesting aspects of all of this. And not to mention, like the Continental also features one of the standouts to me of these movies, which is always Lance Reddick, who plays the... <laughs> Uh, the concierge. concierge there. Yeah. 
he's awesome. And then the other person that was awesome was Asia Kate Dillon, uh-huh. who I had not heard of before this, but was incredible in this movie. Yeah, the the costuming for that character is was incredible. I was blown away yeah. by that. Um, but yeah, really, really interesting character, really interesting idea. I kind of thought that, well, I don't know. Story-wise, it, it led to some interesting twists and turns. Yeah. Were there ever since you... So this movie kind of... I like to say it operates well. Fast and the Furious is moving on this, but like on a reality plus level, <laughs> like it's, it's like you, like that would never happen in real life, but it's not physically impossible. And well, some of the things in Fast and the Furious are physically impossible, but this movie is I mean, more so operates on that reality plus type level. Were there ever times where that line of that reality plus got pushed and you're like, "Mm, reel it back in a little bit? Yeah, I mean, some of the, like, armor stuff. Like, I don't care if you have a bulletproof vest or bulletproof helmet on. If you get shot, that's something that has such force. Like, it's gonna, you're done. Like, you're going down. Even though you're not dead, you're at least gonna be down for a little bit. Um Stuff like that. But, I mean, it's it's a ridiculous action movie. They should have died, like, 300 times in this movie, so I'm not going <laughs> to sit here and nitpick. Um, yeah. But, I mean, kind of how you said, Cameron, like, while well, obviously it's a stretch, they should be dead, it never was to the point of, like, mm, okay, like, walking out of an explosion or anything like that. Yeah. And everything just looks yeah. so good while it's happening that it's hard to dislike it. <laughs> And also it's so easy to track along with what's happening to where like, no matter what happens, you understand like, oh, wow, that was a pretty lucky angle they just got because it's so like you understand what's happening that you understand how ridiculous it is that he got that shot. Yeah. Right. Chad, Chad Stahelski is the only person who could have directed these movies. Um, It's, it's, it's knowing his background as a stunt guy. um, It's even, it's, what's most surprising to me is that he's able to tell a coherent narrative story um, and, and, and do it really well. Cause I feel like sometimes when we have these movies where it's like stunt person takes a big role, it's like, what are we doing here? Um, yeah. But, but the stories are great. Um, but I mean, you can obviously see that he's done stunt work and second unit work because visually like you said, Jake, you, you always know. And I think Cameron kind of asked us this way, but if you paused the movie during a a fight scene, can you point out where everyone else in the scene is? And I think almost all the time you can, there's just such a great feel for the cuts, the placement of the camera, um, when to go long, when to go close. It's, it's really impressive. Yeah. The cinematography by Dan Lauston. I mean, like, the camera is always exactly where it needs to be. And it, it, it's just like perfectly telling you the action, perfectly showing you what you need to see. It's wide when it needs to be wide. It's tight when you need to feel the impact. Um, this isn't a film that relies on like crazy fast cutting to sell the action, like like Born Identity or something. It's it's They're not afraid to let the actors play out in a wide um, it, yeah, the the combination of the directing, cinematography, and production design, and stunt work is just incredible. Yeah, yeah. There's there's so much in this film to be praised, and there's so much that they do right. 
that it's hard to kind of nitpick and find anything that's to be critical of. I just had a great time with this movie from beginning to yeah, end. It's almost like the, like I said, the visual style, how beautiful it is and the, the earnestness of all the characters and their performances, like make me overlook any small issues that I might have. Yeah. All the campiness, anything like that doesn't really bother you because the film understands it. And they, and that's what makes it good. They do a great job of casting super talented people and one mm-hmm. of the interesting things these films do is they have like very talented, very recognizable stars come in for their movie for like 10 minutes and then they never come again. They're just there <laughs> and then they're just gone. Like yeah. Halle Berry's character, we see her up until like the 50th minute of this movie and then we never see her again. Like not at all. Like yep. any other action Lawrence movie Fishburne. would like bring her back. Like we're all going to fight the high table together. But no, she has other stuff going on. She's just not going to come back and help John Wick. She doesn't care about him. <laughs> that is a fun thing about this is like John Wick is the main character and because of that he's technically like the hero and he does have respect but it is it isn't that like kind of how you were saying Trevor of oh I got to help John Wick cuz he's the hero it's like no f you I got my own <laughs> stuff going on like yeah <laughs> I I love the realism in that so you know as we're kind of getting to the end of this review does the film feel complete to you guys or is it, I mean, does it even matter? Does it, is it meant to be complete or does it? Yeah. My, I think my biggest issue with this franchise as a whole is that I think the first movie does stand alone by itself. Like it, it is what it is. It's, it's a perfect beginning, middle end. But once they went the direction they did with chapter two and now with this, it's almost like, 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 the stories are like a serial TV show. You're ending on a cliffhanger over and over again, which is fine as long as Keanu Reeves is physically able to make these movies, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, I think you're right, Cam. It's not quite a full story, especially not just that it ends on a cliffhanger, but especially the way that it ends with Winston and what's going on there. Man, I I want every one of these to end in a cliffhanger so that there's another one. <laughs> like I... <laughs> I just I just want more of this in my eyeballs. I don't care. Um, yeah, I even want it to win. Like he's like 70 years old and he's like at the retirement center and someone comes to kill him and he's in like a wheelchair and he's still kicking ass like I'm so down for it. Like this could become this could become like a senior citizen version of Home Alone. Like that's that's where we could go with this, guys. And I'm oh, down man. for it. The Baba Yaga. The Baba Yaga. Age. All right. Well, anything else to get to before we get to the end of our review? Just go see it. I mean, it's it's beautiful. It's it's beautifully violent, and yeah, I loved it. <laughs> it's the it's inter- awesome. Another interesting thing is I love these like these Latin church words they use for everything is really really interesting. Like the idea of excommunication and consecration and deconsecration. Yeah. It just adds this like layer of mystique and formality to everything. Just, did you know what parabellum meant before Winston said it? I was like, I did not. oh, that's why it's called not. parabellum. No. <laughs> Terrible name the, for a movie. The, the logo of the high table has it on there. It's the uh, okay. um, Pax Ipsum parabellum or whatever. Um, yeah. But it's if you like want peace, the, prepare the, for war. Right. The logo that the adjudicator shows on her token, it has the those words on it. Well, there you go. Parabellum. 
All right. Well, let's get to our final thoughts and ratings. Trevor, kick us off. Um, this is great. It's everything that wanted could have been or should have been um, to yeah. keep on comparing it to things. Um, and maybe wanted was just weirdly ahead of its time in a time where sequels weren't just passed out like candy. Um, but, but yeah, this is, this is just awesome. It's just the gold standard of modern action. Unlike anything I've ever seen again, it's beautiful. The sets, the costuming, the action, the action, the action. It's so great. (laughs) Um, I give this 12 out of $14 million on John Wick's head. Uh, what's, what's crazy is that's like a fifth of the budget of this film. Um, (laughs) actually less than a fourth of the budget of this film. Uh, and that's for me, the most impressive thing, what this movie is doing for the money is insane. Uh, I love these movies. I want more of these movies. This is like what you want in popcorn action, like enough story for it to make sense and be entertaining for like the film to be in on the joke. And also for the action to be so incredible, like your eyeballs melt out of your face. Um, (laughs) I saw this in Dolby Vision and Dolby Atmos, and I felt like I was in a fight with John Wick by the end of the film. I mean, it was just so awesome. I saw it in IMAX, and I highly recommend one of those formats for this film. Yeah, see it on the biggest, best screen possible. Uh, This is an A for me. Um, I yeah, this this might be my like my new favorite series, honestly, Uh, because this is everything I love in movies. So yeah, Cameron. This is an A for me as well. This is, you know, I have hopped on the bandwagon and am now the person going around going, hey, have you seen John Wick? Because if not, we should talk. <laughs> so, And if uh, so, we should also well talk. Done. Yeah. Yeah. And even if, yeah, if, if you've, either way, let's talk. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's all we have for our review of John Wick 3. Let's go ahead and get to our content of the week. Jake, what is your content of the week? My content of the week is, uh, I don't think we've ever recommended sports before but uh the nhl stanley cup playoffs is going on currently um yeah there is another sport in the postseason guys besides the nba uh i grew up in st louis missouri playing ice hockey my whole life and the blues are potentially about to close it out to go to the stanley cup so everyone get excited and go watch some hockey because it's a very underappreciated sport. Especially Tra- if, if it's uh, in overtime. Overtime playoff hockey is like doing crack in sports form. It's, it's yeah. Because <laughs> it's, it's sudden compare. death and it's insane. It's it's really insane. It's like watching a bunch of incredibly talented hyper 12-year-olds play hockey and it's wonderful. Yeah. Blues won game seven against Dallas in double overtime, sudden death. I mean, <sighs> it's all, even if you don't care about the teams, you're on the edge of your seat. It's really, it's really fun. Um, Okay, so my recommends, I have two recommends that are related to John Wick. Um, The wonderful human and just general mensch, Shea Serrano, who writes and does things for The Ringer, um, has a podcast called With a Pencil, and it is all about the John Wick universe. There are six episodes. They've done four of them so far. Um, some of them are just kind of overviews of the movie. One of them is who is the best tough, tough guy dog owner between John Wick and a few other guys. Um, so highly recommend it's in the ringer network. Shea Serrano. Um, if you love John Wick, you'll love this podcast with a pencil. Um, and there's a looper video. Um, one of those places that turns out videos about movies that are usually trash, but there's one called John Wick changed action movies and you barely noticed. And it's really interesting talking about why John Wick is really separating itself from other things. Um, and then last thing, another podcast. Um, I've talked about the Broken Record podcast before. 
um, run by Malcolm Gladwell, um, Rick Rubin, and Bruce Headlam. There's a specific episode recently um, with Linda Perry, who's a producer and former uh, music artist and producer, and she talks uh, kind of in depth about art and the commercialization of art, and it kind of touches on a lot of things that we like to talk about here. So the Broken Record episode of Linda Perry is really interesting. If you like people who shoot on film and then them talking about shooting digital as well, Keanu Reeves produced and hosted a documentary. Oh really my god. Interviewed Cameron. What? <laughs> Are you about to recommend what I think you're about to recommend? Side by side? Yes. Yeah. Is that a bad I, thing? No, it just I had to watch that like six times senior year because I took all those film courses oh, really? like back to back to yeah. I had to watch that movie so many times senior year. <laughs> See, I was never force fed to watch this, so maybe that's why I have love for it. It's so um, good. It's really good, but I've seen I just uh oh, seen it so many yeah. times. <laughs> it's very much a like film major in college film. I get it. Yes, it's um, very which good, is why though. I have a second recommend. Uh, if you are like me and didn't know that Justin Vernon had a new side project because apparently four of them wasn't um, <laughs> wasn't enough, you know, he has Bon Iver and then, you know, Volcano Choir, Shouting Matches. Oh, I mean, let me just add another one. And it is called Big Red Machine. Did not know about this. Huh. It is a band that he started with Aaron Dessner of The National. Uh-huh. And oh, it is very good. Heck yeah. Sorry, Cam. I didn't know you didn't so, know, or I would have told you. I know. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. I, I'm, I didn't I'm know either. Now. What the hell? I also, yeah. I also, sorry, sorry, Jake. I also want to recommend Justin Vernon's first band, DeArmond Edison. DeArmond Edison. Atta boy. Their album is also really good. Literally yep. everything he does is good. All right. Well, we'll be back next week with a new episode, a new review. There's three options. I'll be curious to see which one we end up doing: Aladdin, Brightburn, or Booksmart. I know I have. I want to see all of them. Not yeah, this weekend, too. but sadly, Aladdin is the least one I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. 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 It's almost like it's like buying tickets to a train wreck. <laughs> mm, it's supposed to be pretty good. We'll see. Uh, if you enjoyed listening to us, please go to iTunes or Spotify. Spotify. <laughs> Subscribe, rate, review us, and go share us with your friends and family. If you want to know more about us, go to our website at Popcorn Optional. If you want to interact with us, the best place to do that would be on Twitter at Popcorn Optional. My name is Cameron Salina. You can find me on Twitter at 321CamyTime or on the movie social media app Letterboxd at C Slanina. Jake, where can we find you online? You can find me at jakebrown.tv. That is my website and my Instagram. Trevor. I am on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at TurboTrevor. A little behind on Letterboxd, but I'll be having some more mini-reviews up soon. Cool. They're well worth your time. Go read them. In the words of Truman Burbank, if I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Bye. Y'all be good.